Hello and welcome to Financial Education Formation. My name's Warren Shu, and today we're going to talk about aeroplanes, Germany and Apple. This episode of The Money Planner has been sponsored by Idealo, the price comparison website. Okay, so what do I mean, aeroplanes, Germany and Apple? Well, three significant events that reminded me of my childhood occurred over the last few weeks. And I started thinking about them and investing. And I wanted to share it with you, um, what I was sort of going through, and what I was sort of talking about. Um, and and the, fir the first one really was... Um, Boeing, um, British Airways became the, the latest airline to retire its 747-400 fleet. Um, it took its flight first in April 1988, and after 32 years, um, it's it's done its work. It's earned its, peri earned its period, so it's going into retirement. Now, that was significant for me because um, when I was about 11 or 12, something like that, uh, so it was about 88 I think um, I, we took a flight in a 747-400 uh, uh, to Australia with my family. It's the first flight it ever taken. So obviously, like you do, you go for the longest flight distance possible in one of the biggest planes possible. Um, I was just, as like any other 11-year-old, buzzed. Um, so um, don't get the wrong impression. I didn't grow up privileged. We didn't take lots of flights. That was my first flight, and it was my only flight until I was then about 16. Um, the second event that was in history this week was the unification of East and West Germany that happened 30 years ago. Um, now, I remember that very well because I know many of you don't realize I used to do a lot of martial arts and I was uh, do taekwondo and um, I trained to a quite a good standard and I was competing, I think, or training at least in Bath and I was driving home with my friend Lee and it was on the radio and we would just listen to it all the way home. And I'll be honest, at the time, I probably didn't appreciate the significance of it as much as I probably do today. Um, but, you know, even so, um, we listened to it and I have memories of that journey back and forth on the motorway, the M4 from Swindon to Bath and Bristol. And then Apple launched its latest iPhone 12. Um, now, I actually had the iPhone 1. Um, I had the iPhone 1 and it came out in June 2007. I actually bought mine, I think, a bit later, probably August. I'm not one for queuing, so I probably waited for the d drama to calm down, um, and I bought it. And I remember being at a conference, which would have been about September, October time, I think. That's conference. I would just have a conference right now with a good friend of mine, Keith, and um, he was basically taking the mickey out of the iPhone 1 because he said, what do you need that for? blackberry is the way forward blackberry is for business he's now an apple lover <laughs> but anyway you know it it made me realize that you know, these events are good reminders that while our attention often is on the present moment paying the bills getting the kids to school getting the work done worrying about our jobs you know worrying about the pandemic what's going on life goes on and history is created and time passes um, and really sometimes we have to make the decisions now and give ourselves a better future um, that's financially that is so we have to sort of put the stake in the ground and say right now I will 
decide from this moment on um, i can tell you when it changed for me um there's a book out there called Ah, I've forgotten it. Uh, the last A factor. I can't think of the cappuccino. I was going to say cappuccino effect. The last A factor. And I read the last A factor, and I was actually in America at the time. And it basically said, uh, David Buck basically said, um, invest. You must invest. You know, even if you invest small, just start investing. Um, and I sort of said to my girlfriend then at the time, I said, look, you know, we have to start investing. We have to start putting money away. I don't wrong. We hardly have any money at all i was making ends meet i was just starting out as a business we were growing our house everything else um, but we decided we just decided to put something away um, and it was very modest at the time i'll be honest it's very modest you know it might have been as much as less than 50 pounds i think um but his premise is that once you start it's like a snowball and you can then slowly increase on it um and that's what we did so this is really about trying to get you to say look let's put the stake in the ground history is going to continue but when we look back, we can say, that's the moment I started. And perhaps this is the moment you started. Listen to this podcast. You know, there's some crazy guy called Warren who said to me, look, I've just got to put the stake in the ground. I've got to start investing today. He said, doesn't matter how small it is. Even if it's 25 pounds, I'm going to start. So that literally that next pay packet, automatic payment, I automated it and started putting it into a ISA, I think, or a PEP, whatever it was back then. But what I wanted to say to you is that what if I didn't take that flight to Australia? What if I didn't get on that plane, but I took the thousand pounds and I invested it in Boeing shares? Well, over that 32 year period, my 1,000 pounds would now be worth around about 13,600. 13,600. So going from 1,000 to 13,000, not putting another penny in it, just leaving it. So you've put that money away, you've invested it, and you've carried on doing what you're doing because time carries on. And that plane's gone back and forth. Other place, you own some of those shares. And right now, bear in mind, we're in the pandemic, so planes aren't flying anywhere, pretty much, or most of them are not flying anywhere. The price is suppressed. But even that, taking into account, even taking into account the financial crisis in 2007, even taking out the dot-com correction in 2000, you know, these big events in history, I still got 13 and over 13 and a half thousand pounds. I averaged eight and a half percent a year. That's pretty impressive. What if after listening to the unification of East and West Germany, I thought, hey, this is going to be a good thing. I think this is going to be good. People come together, like minds, they're growing, they're going to build on it. They've got something to prove to the rest of the world. Like, okay, this is going to be good. This is going to be a good, good opportunity. Let me buy the German stock market. Let me just buy an index fund in Germany. 30 years ago, um, I'd have averaged 8.4% return a year. So pretty much the same, 8.5% a year, pretty much. You know, because things are suppressed at the moment. So 8.5%. I'm averaging 8.5% and I'm not really doing much. I'm just buying one thing. What happens if I decided, oh, look, okay, I love the idea of an Apple iPhone, but I'm going to be smart. I'm not going to buy the Apple iPhone. I'm going to buy that £500 that the Apple phone cost me. And I'm going to buy some Apple stock. I'm going to buy some Apple stock. So I buy some Apple stock. Today, so what was that? That was um, 2007. Today they will be worth way over £14,000. So 500 to 14000 Now, don't get me wrong. I am not suggesting you go out there and you back the next jumbo jet. You look and try to place a bet against um, the Brexit deal and what's going on between the UK and the EU at the moment. Or that you go and buy the next Apple, okay? 
But what I am saying is you need to invest. You must invest. And although things go wrong, my money is always on global business. Global business. Globally, businesses grow. Just, just trust that. Just trust time is your friend when investing in investing and trust in global companies, big global companies and time. So what happens if I did that? Um, what happens if I did buy the world market, just an index fund, the um, MSCI world market 30 years ago? What would I have done? I'd have averaged over 10% a year. If you put it into an ISA or a pension, this is what happens. 10% return a year, you have no landlords. You have no letting laws, you have no tax, you have no sleepless nights. You might have a couple of bit worry, you know, during the financial crisis and stuff. But you know, just invest it, forget the account, just allow it, just just take the long term view, and you've doubled your money every seven years. Now, will the next thirty years be the same? I don't know. Sometimes I think maybe no. I, there's so much out there that says no. And then I hear stories. I hear stories of how much things are growing, how wonderful things are. You know, you've got Musk, Elon Musk with Tesla developing all the electric cars. Uh, I picked up the paper the other day. I've got Google have got these machines going through farms. So they've got machines farming it. There's no people involved. I read reports of Amazon getting FFA, FAA approval to fly drones to deliver your parcels. Um, I read about Ant, which is a Chinese company sp spin-off, which is the biggest public uh, IPO flotation ever. Um, and the crazy stuff it's doing, it dwarfs PayPal um, in what it's doing. And your retirement is coming. You know, retirement is expensive. Okay, we generally work around 40 to 50 years of our life. Um, you're required to save enough money to last you maybe another 25 years okay so you think of all the things you spend in a year you're roughly looking to save half of that that's why you have to invest you know, it's not realistic for you to um save that amount of money and just you know just not get a return on it but if you can do the boeings of this world if you can get the eight and a half percent returns if you can get involved with the apple or the german market and get those returns but just not just bet on the world market MSCI World Index Market. Go to lexo.co.uk. Check out our um, portfolios on there. They're just world market portfolios. Okay, some of them are diluted down to reduce the risk on there because some of you won't like the volatility that comes with them. But they're giving the return. So in the last thirty years, averaging ten percent return. Will you get that over the next thirty years? Who knows? You might get more. The way technology is advancing, um, but you might get less. But you're going to get more than you would if you didn't invest. And that's the main important thing. Um, the place to do this is through your workplace pension. That's definitely the best place to do it. Your employer has set up a pension scheme and hopefully has auto-enrolled you. If they haven't, you can go to them and say, I'd like to join um, and invest through there because it's just set up. You get tax relief on it. It's tax-free. The fees are low. Um, so that's the wrapper, remember. The workplace pension is a wrapper. It's like an account. And in that wrapper... You really want to be going for a target date index retirement fund. And index is the key word there. So a target date index retirement fund. That basically says you give it to a fund manager. They know when you want to retire. That's the target date. Um, and index means it follows the indices. So it's not an active manager getting involved, messing things up for you. 
Um, if you can't have a target date index fund, look at an index life strategy fund. So again, index life strategy fund, and they're basically different risk ratings. So depending on your life strategy, what your rules are, you have a very aggressive one or you have a more cautious one. So there'll be different one. Uh, the first one is based on time. So that there'll be like one that when you retire in 2030, 2040, 2050, you may not have the exact date, but you get the one closest you can. So you choose that. So as you get closer to your date, it becomes more cautious. Uh, and then the life strategy fund, life strategy fund basically is on a risk basis. So you've got a cautious, a medium or aggressive one. And if you've got time on your side, take the aggressive option because you've got time on your side. Um, if you don't have access to either of those two, then go for a global index fund. Um, and that's basically just saying, well, I'm just going to invest in the global stock market. So um, if you do get stuck on any of those, please message me. I do respond to you. If I'm over a bit late, I do apologize. I get a lot of inquiries, um, but I do respond to everyone. Um, and if I haven't responded to you, it means I haven't read it. So message me again. And um, if you're stuck and you haven't got a pension at all, then check out lexo.co.uk. We're just doing a revamp on that at the moment, but it's still uh, functional and stuff like that. So you can get it from there. So big five this week, five things that I want you to do about your retirement planning, okay? Planning for retirement should be your number one priority. Number one, get a state pension forecast. Don't dismiss this, state pension's decent. I like it, it's not perfect, but it's a chunk of money for you. So either go to uh, gov.uk forward slash check dash state dash pension. Make sure it's a gov.uk site because there are lots of other people who charge you for it. It's free, you can go on there log in and you get state pension forecast. Alternatively, do it in paper format, download a BR19, a BR19 form. State pension number one. Number two, get your defined benefit pension statement. So if you've been a member of a final salary in the past, a defined benefit pension scheme, same thing, get a statement and get that and have a look what you're likely to retire on. Have a look at the same and be really careful. When the figure they quote you, is it as of the date of leaving? Is it today or have they forecast you an estimated pension at normal retirement date? So look at that date because if it's date of leaving, you can increase it until now. And a simple thing is just to increase by two and a half percent because it's inflation. They're all different um, and that's a massive generalization. If the pension person's listening, they'll be laughing at me, but two and a half percent, you're not going to go far wrong. Uh, number three, get your defined contribution valuation statement. So these are money purchase schemes, personal pension schemes or occupational money purchase schemes where you've been putting money in, there's a fund value there, get a valuation on that and then we can project that forward. I want you to take that information. Number four, I want you to go to the Money Advice Service Pension Calculator, which is yourpension.gov.uk forward slash pension dash calculator. Now remember, all this is on a blog on warrantshoot.com. So you go to warrantshoot.com, there'll be a blog that represents this um, show and then you can take all these links from there. Um, but do that, you put all that figures in, you say how much you wanna retire on, and it will tell you how much you need to put away each month, okay? Don't set it and forget it, do it every year, because you have to keep tweaking things. Um, and then finally, number five, after you've gone to the calculator, you've got your BR19, you've got your final salary pension, you've got your defined contribution pension, you've done your calculator, number five, have a scour around, see if you work somewhere and you think, I'm sure I had a pension there, I just completely forgot about it. Use the pension tracing service. The pension tracing service, you've got to give some details. It's not like, I've got a pension, can you find it for me? Well, where did you work? When did you work there? That kind of thing. You've got to help them out. And they can use, a, uh, you go there using a site called findpensioncontacts.service.gov.uk. Um, but type in pension tracing service. And again, there's a link on my site um, to these. And then you that will help you find any um, missing pensions you've got.
Okay, so that's my top five tips for this week. Um, in the main news this week, the FCA has decided to ban the sale of derivatives on cryptocurrencies by all UK firms um, from the 6th of January next year. Um, the estimate that the ban will save consumers around £53 million. And do you know why? Because cryptocurrency is not an investment. So why would you bother buying it? I know it's tempting. I know some people have made money on it. But if you had a story for all the people who lost money versus the number of people who did make money, you wouldn't even have time to see the people who made money because most people haven't. Okay, just stay away from cryptocurrency. Um, it might become a thing, but it's not an investment. Uh, second thing, HMRC, listen up on this one, second news body this week. Um, HMRC plans to send 14,000 nudge letters to individuals that it believes have made a taxable gain on a disposal of a residential property by Tillet in 2018-19 without declaring on their tax return. So is this you? Did you sell a property and not declare it? Remember, if you buy an asset and sell it and you make a gain, that's called a capital gain. It needs to be disclosed if it's in excess of um, £12,300 in the current year. I don't know what the, get, the allowance was then, probably about 12000 Or it needs to be disclosed if it's four times the capital gains tax allowance. Uh, most people miss that one. So although you don't pay tax on it, it just needs to go on the disclosure on your um, self-assessment. Questions in this week. So uh, first question came in and the individual said, I have a life insurance policy. I was told to write into trust. Should I? And if so, who should the trustees be? Okay. So yes is the short answer. Um, what basically it is, is you have a life insurance policy just on your life. So a single life insurance policy. When that pays out, it's just going to pay out. And you're obviously not around, you've died. So it will go into your estate. And the problem with that is your um, your beneficiaries, so maybe your spouse, your wife or girlfriend or whatever it might be, um, can't get that money to pay the mortgage off without having probate granted. Now, probate at the moment could take at least six months. If you have anything remotely complex in there, it could take over a year. So that means who's going to pay the mortgage during that time? These things aren't thought through. So if you have a single life policy, it, by it being paid into a trust, no, probate is not required because it doesn't go into your estate it goes into the trust and then your um, beneficiary your wife your girlfriend husband whatever it might be um, can go to the trustees and say look here's the trust is the death certificate can I have the money I need to pay my mortgage off get that and they can pay the mortgage off by having it in trust everyone talks about the inheritance tax benefits so there is inheritance tax benefits it's outside of your estate it doesn't form part of your estate great but really what we're talking about is efficiency it's outside of your estate so the speed of payment is so much faster um, it's done on an issue of a death certificate, which is done within days, as opposed to probate, which is done within months. Okay, so yes, you do. That's a single life insurance policy. Most people have a joint life insurance policy, and I would recommend you consider changing that to two single policies and having them written into trust. And the reason for that is on second death, when you, if you have something happened to both of you together, the money's in the estate. You, without paying an expensive lawyer to write a trust, you can't have that money written into trust. Okay, second question. I want to save for a house deposit. What do you suggest? Do uh, what suggestions do you have? So I suggest you look at your income and you allow roughly no more than half of your income to run your house at the moment. Okay, so if you're living in a rental or whatever, so that pays you all your bills. You allow about thirty percent of that money to for general spending. So a third of it for general spending, and therefore you should have about twenty percent left. I suggest you save that twenty percent for your house deposit. 
And when you save your house product, the first place you want to put it is into a LISA. No, a LISA. Don't worry about a LISA. I was, I was going to say lifetime ISA, that's why. You put it into a lifetime individual savers account, which is known as a LISA. Um, the reason for that is on the first £4,000, you get a 25% bonus. And obviously that bonus will going to help you go towards um, buying your first house. So um, if you're going to buy in the next, say, five years, maybe three years, just put it in cash in the LISA. You're not going to get a return on it. I respect that. But you're going to get a 25% bonus um, on any money you put in, which you know, outweighs that massively. Um, if you're younger and you think, actually, you know what? I'm going to buy a house in the future. I just don't want to settle down just yet. I'm still career minded. I'm growing my, my education and my career. Um, then go into equities um, and uh, allow five years to grow that money. So come to the section of the show called the smartest spender. Uh, spending money is not bad. Spending other people's money is. Be money smart. Spend the money you can afford and get the best deals you can. And this is sponsored by Idealo, the price comparison website. And the reason I have it sponsored by Idealo is because I want to put them in the forefront of your mind. Um, because, <laughs> look, it's good to spend money. It's nice to spend money. It allows the economy to go through. I don't want you to all to be like super duper frugal and hoard all your money because it can be boring. But in the same breath, I don't want you spending money you don't have and you spend after you've saved, remember? So you've got your allocation, you're saving 20% of your money and you spend 30. But when you spend that money, I want you to get the best price you can for everything. And I use Idealo. I've done it for years. Um, every time I buy something, and I literally, every time I buy something of significant value, I appreciate if I'm just buying something modest, I don't. But anything I'm buying something of significant value, I always run it through Idealo. Um, so Idealo give us some stats that's going on. So this week, what's dipped in price? Weight training equipment and weights are down 22% cheaper than last week. 22%, that's like 25, that's a quarter of a percent, a quarter of its saving. That's ridiculous. Um, I've always trained it. No, that's not true. For the last 15 years plus, I've always trained at home. Um, the reason I do it is efficient. It's time for me. Um, I love going to a gym, but I get up early. I go in the gym. I do all my stuff, and I can take the kids to school. That's my time with the kids um, before I go into the office. So if I had to go and travel 20 minutes, half an hour to a gym and travel back, that's an hour gone. In the morning, I don't have that. You know, I'm up at sort of 5.36 as it is. Um, I don't want to go up any earlier. So I like training at home. It works for me. It's very convenient. Um, if you're a gym goer, then that's fine. I like. I understand that completely. But um, just make sure you're doing some exercise. But yeah, so that's great. 22% lower than um, last week. What's going well this week? People, what are people buying? Capsule coffee machines. Go figure. Capsule coffee machines. They're 21% cheaper than compared to buying a more hist um, expensive version time of the year, which was May and June. So they're 21% cheaper this time of year as opposed to May and June. Um, and they think this week consumers will be buying kitchen appliances, I guess getting ready for Christmas, all those festivities that are going on. Um, and there's big savings there. Fridges, £65. Cookers, £86. But food processors are over £100 cheaper. Um, so... Uh, lots to be doing hey look i hope you're enjoying the show it's a whistle stop thing i'm really passionate about investing and i respect it's hard it's never the right time but today is the day you must start thank you for listening my name's warren shoot this is financial education information until next time stay safe mm -hmm.